Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tongues Podcast, a podcast where we record at 8 o'clock in the morning. We do. Right about 8 o'clock in the morning. It was a little bit later. So we used to, we used to get started a little later. I think we used to start at like 9, and then before that, in the early days, we recorded in the evenings. We did whatever we wanted. And, we did whatever we wanted. And part of the reason for doing the podcast early, it's not ideal, man. It's like not like... I like it. Well, yeah, but it's not like like my brain's not even awake all the way. And yeah. uh, but we do it because we got both got shit to do, and I want to make this as you know, I want to say convenient, but I want to I want to limit the inconvenience yeah. to my wife and kids. Yeah. So I want to do it early so that it's done and you know whatever. That that is not appreciated, by the way. I don't understand. It's like I, I bend over backwards to make this shit convenient, and I still get shit about it. So uh, that's a little inside baseball for the podcast people. If you're a grown man and you have a family and wife, good luck trying to do a podcast without getting shit for it. Yeah. I'm a little fucking heated this morning. A little bit heated. You know, it, it comes with the territory of a uh, cohabitation. <sighs> I do want to say, um, hold on a second, I'm pulling this up. Pull it up. Here we go. All right, so I do want to say that um, this is the wrong one, I think. Hold on. Shit. I'm very confused. Uh, Well, all all I wanted to say is uh, a shout out to Keith Johnson. So Keith Johnson is the uh, uh, consultant that we worked with for graphic design, for the podcast logo, for the podcast website the two tongues podcast.com and uh, anyway I just wanted to shout Keith out again if anybody has any uh, graphic art needs along those lines he's been super duper awesome to work with um, seven star marketing is the name of the company with two R's yeah Keith Johnson shout out to Keith our stuff is pretty cool so it is pretty cool use that as an ad an, an advertisement we don't usually yeah, we don't usually do ads, but shout out to Keith Johnson anyway. Well, Seven Star Marketing. It's not an ad unless we're getting paid for it, but... No, we're not. Is that true? I guess it could still be an ad if you're not getting paid for it. Yeah, I think so. Maybe it is an ad. Maybe it is. It's our first ad on the Two Tongues Podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, Keith was awesome. You know what? Working with a... I never worked with a consultant before. Especially, like, I don't know anything about graphic design. I don't know anything about any of that shit. So I have to like find somebody that you can trust that's not gonna rake you over the coals. And what? How do I even know if I'm being raked over the coals? But it's been like uh, it was super reasonable, you know. It seemed to me, and uh, I just like I like working with them. So if anybody has anything like that they need, reach out to that dude. Yeah. If you also want us <coughs> to advertise your products on our podcast. Reach out. Let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll advertise things that we don't even believe in. I will. <laughs> it's fine. Go to the two podcast.com Drop us a line there. Go get your go get your COVID boosters. You know, they can pay <laughs> me to say that. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, uh, I was thinking about Elon Musk this morning because uh, the first thing I saw in the news this morning was number four uh, of the Twitter dumps. Twitter dumps. Twitter I'm taking some Twitter dumps. dumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder what percentage of uh, Twitter usage is on the toilet. A good amount, I would imagine. I would imagine. It's got to be close to half. It's yeah. at least a third. Maybe. That's a lot. Half? 
Yeah, it's a lot. That is a lot. But, yeah, what, what did it say about Elon Musk? What, what's going on? With... Well, you know, it's just like... Um, he's before, uh, he's be- evil. Before Elon Musk got wrapped into politics the way that he has been recently, going way back to when he was just building electric cars mm-hmm. and shooting, shooting cars into space, <laughs> making flamethrowers for no reason... And he also, you know, he was also making those batteries, those giant batteries that would power a house mm-hmm. for places that don't have a power grid. Like, you could build whole communities in the middle of nowhere in Africa and put these battery packs on the house, and the batteries would power the whole house, and you don't need a grid. That kind of shit was amazing. Elon Musk was doing it just because, you know? Just because it was, it was a challenge, and there was money to be made, and it was good for humanity. And I remember saying, and you probably remember me saying this, that Elon Musk s- seemed to me like a like a hero from an Ayn Rand novel. Sure, that's I how, that's how that. I felt about him. You know, yeah. I still feel that way about him. And uh, and now he's getting embroiled in all this stuff strictly because of Twitter. And I understand that there's a threat to the left from what he's doing, and I'm hundred percent on board. But here's the thing that dawns on me. He's opening Twitter up to lawsuits <clears throat> because if the truth comes out, which is coming out, about the shadow banning, about the uh, about the manipulation of the media during the election cycle, about Hunter Biden, about all the stuff that's been that, that has been released now, um, people are going to have valid legal grounds to sue Twitter. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk owns Twitter. Is that is that how it works? Would it still, even though it's not the same ownership, it would still. They wouldn't press charges against the people who formerly owned Twitter? I think that is possible, but that's to me that's probably like a civil situation. Mm-hmm. And I still think Twitter is the prime candidate for, as a company for those lawsuits. Now, Elon Musk has no financial, well, maybe not no, but he has some serious negative financial risk to opening him his company up to lawsuits, which he's doing for the sake of freedom of speech. And to me, it's like, how does that not make him even more of an Ayn Randian hero? Yeah. A champion of free speech, even if it means he's going to lose... Not for everyone, but for some people. For most people. For more people than before, we'll yeah. say that. Yeah. Not for everyone, though. I have a hard time not loving that dude. I'm skeptical of him. I mean, I generally, I agree. I think that he's doing things that I like. But I don't know. I just like who knows. He's also done things that I don't like, um, such as he's taking a lot of money from the government to build these companies that everyone is so impressed with. So I don't know like what that means. If there were like tax breaks that he was given to build a factory in California, mm-hmm. if that's par for the course. Happens everywhere. Yeah, he no. would be dumb not to take advantage of that as a businessman. No, I don't think that's what it was. I don't think it was tax breaks. I think it was like some kind of grants or something like that, you know? That are available. It's not, not, nothing illegal, right? I don't think so, no. So, I, you know, it's like like we were talking about yesterday. I don't believe that government should forgive student loans, but I have them, and if they forgive mine, I'll be pleased. And if they and if they turn around and say, you know what, it's unconstitutional, we can't do it, my response is, that's the right answer. You know, it's yeah. like, it sucks for me, but that's the fucking right answer. Um, you, you know, Elon Musk having access to that whether it's whether we would believe in it, you know, as a policy, it's one thing. But if it's available, he should be doing it. He'd be dumb not to, you know. He would be at a disadvantage to other companies if he doesn't. Yeah, 
Um, I guess. So I do have a friend whose uh, ex-wife worked for Tesla for a while, and she had nothing good to say about Elon Musk. Yeah. She's a very liberal person, and imagine uh, that. Yeah, and uh, uh, but her complaints about Elon Musk didn't have to do with politics at the time. They had to do with him being a dick, as far as being a boss, and being like a slave driver, as far as you know what he was um, demanding out of his employees. And since then, I've heard nothing but support for that. Everybody seems to agree. Now I don't know. It seems like there's got to be some truth in that, especially because he got he got lambasted for like setting up like cots like like makeshift bedrooms so that people wouldn't have to leave you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but even that's some Ayn Randian shit man like an Ayn Rand hero is gonna sleep in the office and work you know 20 hours a day and and accomplish something great you know I don't know man I I I like him yeah I feel like there should be more of them if there was more Elon Musk the world would be a better place yeah probably I mean, what if he is a dick, though? What if he's, you know... But aren't Iron Man heroes kind of dicks? Yeah, kind of. Howard Rourke is kind of a dick. Is Howard Rourke the rapey one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'm off camera for a second, so I can grab some paper here. <laughs> <coughs> All right. Well, I'm going to grab a pen, too. So you have a problem, a habit of... Uh, doing these conversations uh, pretty um, willy-nilly and then forgetting at the end of our podcast what the fuck it was we discussed. Oh, there the you go. It's, uh, it's going to make it easier, for make sure. Easier. So, uh, what's new, man? What's new in your world? What is new? doesn't seem like much week-to-week changes, you know what I mean? It's just like life just kind of keeps going, you know? Yeah, it sure does. Um, I... If something, like, new comes up, that's, like, it, it almost seems rare, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and it makes the days, as, as you get older, the days all kind of blend together. The work weeks blend together, and if nothing uh, fantastic happens, the, the months blend together. Yeah. And then the weekends, your only time to, like, do things you want to do, even the weekends start blending together. And you feel like fucking years go by. Yep, and they do, yep. We're just talking about next year being, being like, 20... 20th year high school reading. That's crazy. <clears throat> I got zero interest in going to that, but... Although, man, I have had some weird fucking dreams. I had a dream recently that I was on an air... I had a dream last night, dude. I had a dream I was on an airplane. I don't know where I was going, but I was sitting next to a girl, uh, shout out to Ashley Rickman, that I went to high school with that I haven't thought about in 20 years. And I just had a dream that I was sitting next to her chatting with her. Last night I had a dream I was on an airplane. I had a dream that I went to the airport and I had something on me that I shouldn't have had. I couldn't bring, like, maybe it's the Brittany Griner stories that's been in the mm. news. But I had a, a dream that I had something on me. I think it was like drug paraphernalia, but I, it was a dream. I don't know what it was specifically. And I turned the corner of uh, uh, the, uh, <coughs> the concourse where I'm going to get on my airplane and an alarm goes off. It's like, it sensed that I had something on me, mm-hmm. so I turned around and just walked the other way and went to one of those, you know, airport bathrooms and dumped everything I had in the garbage, and uh, it was a weird dream. But then I want to get back to the concourse. Uh, I missed the plane. Oh. So that was my dream. It was like maybe it was like an anxiety dream. Yeah. I missed the plane. That's uh, 
why does our brains do, why do our brains do that to us you know it's like just stress out while you're asleep it's very interesting it's annoying I tripped about you and your lady last night your uh, your girlfriend yeah um, it was weird man you um, have all kinds of dreams man you've been I don't usually dream yeah but I uh, well I'll just I'll just say Mr. Jo- Joseph Rogan uh, has said many times that during his uh, periods of tolerance break, he, uh, his dreams get pretty fantastic, yeah. and maybe that's something like that. It's not like there was a fantastic dream, like crazy, colorful, exciting, it, you know, something filled with negative emotion. It wasn't a good dream at all. Yeah. And then I, you know, I woke up at six in the morning, and I'm like, I don't even want to go back to bed. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily for everyone during because I. The increased dream intensity is pretty common for a lot of people, um, but I think that that uh, the way that it's intense for Joe is probably pretty specific to him because I don't have dreams. I mean, I have my dreams get more and I dream more, and my dreams are more intense and vivid in you know periods of tolerance breaks and yeah. stuff. But um, they're not. It, it's more like what you have, like anxiety dreams yeah. and. You know. The thing is, is I don't usually remember my dreams. Like, I'm all, never, yeah. never. But now I've been having dreams. In fact, until I started talking about it, it didn't really dawn on me that that, that, that was the case because it's so unusual for me to remember my dreams. Um, did you ever take Alpha Brain? Mm-mm. Do you remember Joe talking about oh, yeah. people taking Alpha Brain and having crazy dreams? Mm-hmm. Um, that It's been a while since I've taken Alpha Brain, but I do remember having some, some intense dreams. Dreams that I remembered really vividly. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you notice any benefit from it other than that? I mean, if you would even call that a benefit. Well, you, you remember Joe said that Alpha Brain used to be called <coughs> Roll Off. Yeah. And it was specifically for people who took MDMA yeah. to put the chemicals back in their brain that are the precursors to um, restoring whatever, serotonin or whatever it was that the MDMA depletes and that it will help you to not have kind of the negative consequences of the hangover of that kind. So that's more or less why I bought them in the first place, um, because I because I had a, a, you know, an experience or two with that and wanted to, you know, protect myself. Yep. Um, so I still have a bunch, and they're just sitting there being unused. Maybe I should just, maybe I should just take them and see what kind of crazy dreams I have. Do it, man. An experiment. Um, and I don't, and I can't exactly say if I know that the alpha brain had that kind of like protecting effect on my brain or like reducing the effects of, of the hangover or whatever. I can't exactly say that because I'm not experienced enough with it. Like I, if I've done it a, a, a dozen times or something, then maybe I, and with and without alpha brain, maybe I could say, but I, I just can't. Yeah. <clears throat> Another interesting thing. Um, I got a message on Twitter, not, a, not to me directly, but a message from a Dr. Shirsta Hughes, who we talked about in the podcast many times, who wrote that book, Modes of Sentience. Um, he works at the University of Exeter, I believe, or at least he has a partner at the University of Exeter that studies psychedelics like he does. And uh, they're doing a um, research project right now. And they were looking for people to just to do a questionnaire to participate in the research program about having transformative psychedelic experiences. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm in. So I spent like 20 minutes, 30 minutes going through and answering all the questions and oh, nice. participating in the... Uh, you know, I'll be one of the data points in the study, which seems kind of cool, man. That is cool. Seems kind of cool. You're uh, you're part of a science project now. Yep. Said I might be selected for a more in-depth interview. Some of the some of the 
people that respond are going to get selected for a more in-depth interview. Cool. And I think that'll be interesting. Do a zoom. Do a zoom from across the pond. What were the questions like? Actually, that's a really interesting question. Like, you know, they formulate those questionnaires, um, and it's you know, like you've seen them before. <coughs> Excuse me. It's like, uh, here's a statement. Do you agree, you know, or disagree? Mm. And then everything in between. There's like five different choices. Somewhat agree, disagree, adamantly disagree, that kind of thing. Yep. And uh, a lot of the questions were like, they would ask you the same question in different ways. Yep. Which I, yeah, I think they do that. Looking for inconsistency. Yeah, they do that on purpose. Yeah. But there was two things that they were focusing on. One of them was, um, did you experience a change in your experience of time during a psychedelic um, mystical experience. That would be a yes, I'm assuming. I, people say that, and I understand what they mean by that, but I couldn't answer yes to it. Yeah? Because, because one of the things that I remember from the mystical experience is feeling like the moment, whatever that means, like now, is all that exists. It's like there is no past or, or present or future. There's only now. And having that experience is, is unusual <coughs> because it's it's not a normal perception of time. But it doesn't it didn't make me feel like a minute lasted an hour. It just made me feel like time didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't answer the question yes, that there was some time dilation or relativity involved. It didn't seem like that to me. Never? No, not really. It's crazy. Um, you know, even uh, even in that like crazy DMT realm, um, I remember feeling like I didn't want it to be over, but I don't remember I don't remember it feeling like it lasted an extraordinary long time. It's like I, I'm not even considering the time during the experience. I'm not even considering it. It's like, how do I say I felt a difference in time when time doesn't matter during the experience? That's how I felt. Hmm. What do you think of that? I mean, would you would you say yes to that? Did yeah, you? for sure. I've definitely had specifically times where you know I'm not paying attention to the time, or you know maybe I notice what time it is, and then I start doing something. You know, something catches my interest, and I start paying attention to it, and I pay attention to it for what seems like hours, and then I it's been like two minutes. You know what I mean? So I wonder, like. For me, I would describe that as like the like the richness of the experience is so much greater than in ordinary consciousness that there's more to experience. It's like there's more packed into the time, and that makes the time seem more when it's. So you do know what they're what I, I know what they mean, but I don't agree. I don't agree that that the that the reason it feels that way. Has, has to do with time being stretched or a moment lasting longer than normal. I think it has to do with the amount of data in the moment. It's like... I don't know. I just feel like... Like, like, like if you were standing in front of a piece of art and it was mm-hmm. a simple, like a stupid abstract, a gray painting with a black dot in the middle, some stupid ass, you know, modern art piece, and you had 30 seconds to stare at it, and then you go into the next room and you have this renaissance classic you have like a like a school of athens by Raphael, and you have 30 seconds to look at that and then you get pulled out of the room and they ask you you know did it seem like you, it was longer in room one or room two i think people would say it seemed longer in room two 
because there was more to look at. It was full of data. It was full of color. It was full of faces. It was full of imagery. And I, just, I, just, I just don't understand, regardless of why you're explaining it happens, it still feels to the people there is like some manipulation of the way you feel time. So like, it's like you're saying, it's like, yeah, the time feels different, mm-hmm. but but that's what we're talking about. I, I Whether or not, not why the time feels different, but does time feel different? I still say no. That's correct. I mean... Uh, I still say no. Yeah. I think it's the experience that feels different, not the time. I don't... But I know I know why why to ask the question. I know what people mean when they say that. I just don't think it doesn't to me it doesn't seem to be related to time. I don't know why. And I think it has to do maybe it has to do with the, with the idea that time in this in a psychedelic mystical experience goes away. Now you might say that if, that if I have no perception of time that that's different than an ordinary experience of time and I agree. But it's like it's not part of the experience. Duration is not part of the experience. Duration is not part of the experience. What does that mean? It's like in the psychedelic world of DMT, for instance, transformation is the experience. And how long, like, you know, changing shapes, changing colors, changing patterns, all that stuff seems to require time. But I don't have any... During that experience, I don't have any grasp on how much time has gone by. It, it's, not, it's, not, it's not even a part of my experience duration. It's, it's not about... It has nothing to do with how long it lasts. It has, to, it has to do with the transformation. It doesn't seem to be tied to time at all. And I, and I, you know, I can agree that that, mean, that that means you have a different perception of time. But it just doesn't seem like time matters in the experience. It's not a part of... I'm not aware of it. But, I mean, even that, saying that time doesn't matter, that is a difference in the way that you perceive time. Because when you're not in a mystical experience, time does matter. It matters yeah. very much. Yeah, so maybe so. So that's the kind of thing, like, in the questionnaire, I couldn't explain. So maybe if I get selected for an interview, I can I disagree with you on it. I we're on, we're on <laughs> yeah. opposite sides of that one. Yeah. Kyle disagrees with my personal, intimate personal. Well, that's no, that's my thing is I I think that it's almost like you are disagreeing with everyone else's. You're like, no, no, it's not time. It's got nothing to do with time. It's like for everyone who says, you know, I think it does. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that their experience is wrong. I'm just saying that's not the way I understood the experience. Okay. Um, And then the other thing that they asked about was, um, if, it, if having the experience transformed you psychologically and then whether it had any religious connotations. And I'm trying to remember exactly what... Because I took issue with another question. You're like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I don't know how you fo- can formulate those questions to make... It, it's not an easy task as a scientist to formulate a questionnaire that's going to evaluate a transformative experience mm-hmm. uh, but they asked a lot about oneness you know a lot about unity and what being feeling like you're one with the universe and all that sort of thing and I you know it's like strongly agree strongly agree strongly agree yeah like that to me that's what it's all about um, all right I don't know hopefully you get the uh, you, you get the interview and you can tell them that everyone's 
has nothing to do with time. Um, so I, I think it is interesting that psychedelic experiences have certain components in common, especially when people talk about being encounters in DMT, mm -hmm. how people will say they see similar things, or different people will, will I, they'll explain like identical mm -hmm. images. I think that's really hard to explain. Because I, because I think those psychedelic experiences are they're based so much on our individual memories and experiences and emotions and all that, that I imagine that they're super duper unique, that everybody has very, very particular experiences. And I never had two alike. I never had two alike, you know? Yeah, true. So if I can't recreate a type of experience even in my own brain, how is it that other people can have a similar experience to other people or an identical experience? That, to me, that's... <coughs> Sorry, with, with the coughing, guys, I'm still getting over this sickness. It's, it's not like that people have the exact same experiences, though. At least, I mean, maybe some people have. But from what I... When I hear people talk about that sort of thing, it's more of like... Uh, some of the aspects of the experience you know maybe it's like a wildly different experience but they say like one thing you're like no that was that was a part of mine you know yeah. um so it's not like you know like people are watching like the same movie or something you know what i mean yeah. well there's this like scientific idea that you know every observer is a, a little different we all have different bodies and different psychology and all that but if you have a bunch of different observers and they're observing something and you get their record of the observation that you can find what's common between everybody's observation and that gives you reason to to believe that what's common between those observations is true about that whatever it is you're observing event or whatever um, because people with with different you know machinery uh, share an experience in common maybe not everything about the experience but what is common among them that must be the realest part of the experience. Something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, um, the same thing with psychedelic experience. If, if, if people have all kinds of different experiences, but there's some common thread that runs through them, that is where something is very, very true, you know? And that, that unity, that mystical unity, I think is one of them. But people that do DMT and say that they see, like, serpent serpent goddess you know what is that man mm -hmm. i never saw a serpent goddess i never saw a serpent goddess i saw a planet you did yeah the first time oh shit it's like it's like i was in orbit above some like weird looking like planet that was made out of these i i, I don't even know i don't even know how to describe what it was made out of but these like Christmas tree shapes. I, I don't even. I don't. It was crazy, man. It was like stressful. It was like <laughs> I don't know, man. So the planet itself was made out of like repeating shapes, the same. Yeah, shape. like this. Like it was like um. Yeah, I guess that's a. I guess that's how I would describe was it. Was it against like a black background with stars or? Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't see too much of the background. I was, like, mostly focused yeah. on this fucking thing. And you're floating above it? Yeah. Well, I didn't even... I didn't... 
I saw it from above. I don't know that I was floating above it. I don't know that I was there, you know. Yeah. Uh, or I, it, I could have been, like, watching TV, you know. So let me ask you this question. Oh, that's what it was. People, one of the questions in the questionnaire was about, um, did you experience a loss of self, like a sense of self? Mm. And this is another thing that I am, I am like, not in line with most of, yeah. you know, this, the, what do you call them? The, uh, um, psychonauts. Psychonauts. Thank you. That's exactly the word I was looking for. Good. I knew it. I had a feeling. I'm not in line with them because people say that you have an ego death or you have a loss of self. And I don't agree with that. Like in, in, in not once during a, a mystical psychedelic experience did I ever disappear. Yeah. Now that's not entirely true. There was one one instance um, in the DMT realm where I, I did get pretty frightened during the experience. But even in that situation, and the fear came from this feeling of disappearing, of disintegrating. But even then, I still experienced the disintegration. And that's what I mean. It's like I, there was still a self. Whether I would have recognized it as Chris is, is irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. There was still a perspective of me as a self experiencing the, the disintegration. And, you know, even this one with the universe feeling that people have where it's like it expands your idea of self, mm. it changes what you mean by self, but it doesn't it doesn't remove self. Yeah, I've never experienced that either, really. Like, I don't even really know how that's possible. I, I kind of think that when people say they lose their sense of self, that what you're saying is what they're saying, is what they're trying to say. Yeah. Um, because you don't. It's like, I again, at least I never have, have never... How would you even experience anything as not you? It's a great question. Uh, it does, doesn't make any sense. See, they're like Eastern religious people, like Hindus in particular, Buddhists, that will talk about that will talk about a state of being which is beyond what they call I amness. It's beyond a self. It's like experience without a perspective. And I don't think there is such a thing as experience without a perspective. Um, and that's what self is. It's a perspective, mm. you know? Um, I struggle with that, man. So I, so I feel like uh, the psychedelic experience does expand the sense of self. It change, Maybe you could say it changes the perspective, the experiential perspective. It like, it like uh, I'm, I'm imagining like this fractal image of you look, looking at yourself. I, I've talked, to, talked about this before, but my grandma's bathroom um, growing up, it had a little nook, so you had the your ordinary like mirror and sink, but then right behind that mirror there was a little nook, and it was like for her to do her makeup, mm -hmm. and there was a mirror in front of her face and a mirror on each side. Mm -hmm. But if you stand in the nook, the mirror from from the bathroom sink is behind you. So if you stand there, you can see Chris, 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 as long as it goes as far as it goes to infinity, right? Yeah. So I can imagine this fractal image, and when my perspective changes, it's like I back up, right? The eyeballs that are actually looking out, they're not sitting in the nook anymore. They've gone backwards, 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 or up, 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 away from this ordinary sense of self. And now I'm this greater, you know, I have a greater perspective. And that may be true. Something like that's happening. But the perspective is still there. The, yep. the self is still there. So that's one of the questions people always say 
that transformative psychedelic experiences seem to have a common thread where people lose their idea of being an individual self. That I could not disagree more. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that, actually. I think, like I said, I think that maybe this goes back to what you were talking about with the time. I feel like people are describing something poorly. You know what I'm saying? It's not that your perspective goes away. It's your sense of self goes away in the sense that you become everything, you know? Yeah. That you're a part of everything. One of the things I remember saying is that I no longer felt like a subject having an experience. I felt like an experience. You know? Mm. It's like, I don't know how to... See, and then that's, you know... You remember when we were talking the other day about uh, Alfred North Whitehead and I was saying how confusing he was and you were mm-hmm. like, pot calling the kettle black, man. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those situations because I don't know exactly know how to say it uh, to make sense. I lost I lost my thread now. I'm, I went too far down the... Too far down the wormhole. Oh, fuck. Yep. <sighs> it's, it's definitely confusing. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about. Um, do you know if that uh, last week's episode... It's a little bit risque in terms of, in terms of what we were discussing. It, like, we talked a little bit about Kanye. We talked a yeah. little bit about Hitler. <coughs> we talked about some yeah. of those things. I actually need to make a statement about last week. Oh God! I <coughs> said some terrible things. I disavow Kanye. I, you know, seven hundred and sixty-two billion Jews died in the Holocaust. So it's a, it's not something to take lightly. You know, how many Jews died? Seven hundred and sixty-two billion. Million or billion? Billion. What? That's what I heard. No way! Come on, man. That's what I heard. There's only six. Po- there's only six billion people on the on Earth. Well, now. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yeah, it's not something to take lightly. Mean Mr. Mustache is a bad guy. He did a lot of bad things. Um, you know. Yeah. And any insinuation that Jews have outsized power compared to, you know, pro- the proportionality of the population that they they make up, that's that's very anti-Semitic. You you shouldn't notice that. You're not allowed to notice that if you do your anti-Semitic. And I, I that's that's how I feel. Do you know what an Ashkenazi Jew is? Yep. Can you tell me? It's Eastern European Jews. So these are just. It, Jewish exiles living in Eastern Europe. Okay. There's, I think, two two or three more, like, branches like that. There's uh, Sephardic Jews, Never which yeah. they're, like, in Spain. Okay. Um, Does that include Portugal? Like the, yeah, yeah. like the Iberian Peninsula, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Sephardic, Ashkenazi, and there's one more. There's... There's more than one, I think, but because there's like the Hasidic, that's like a, their own little branch. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know enough about it. I should probably ask some questions. Um, the reason I add, the reason I bring it up is because the one of the things I remember Jordan Peterson saying is that the Ashkenazi Jews, one of the things that people don't like talking about, especially now, is IQ research mm. because there's too much racial uh, disparity that is. Um, that falls outside of the PC talking points. What I mean is, 
There are certain areas where women don't do as well as men. There are certain areas where black people don't do as well as white people, and so forth. And you can't say any of that, because if you do, you're a racist and a bigot and a sexist and blah, 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 blah. Even though, even though the science is fucking clear. And, I, and I'm not saying anything in terms of superiority, because there's areas where white people don't do as well. There are areas where men don't do as well. Who fucking cares? People are different. But one of the things that they found is that Ashkenazi Jews are like one standard deviation higher on average in their IQ than anybody else on earth. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that's significant. One standard deviation is significant. Yeah. Now, this is what I wonder. In intelligence and IQ is a um, uh, one of the best, in fact, the best marker you have to financial success. If you have a high IQ, chances are you're going to do well in life. You're going to have money. If Ashkenazi Jews are one standard deviation higher in IQ on average, would it not stand to reason that those people would be more wealthy? Would it not stand to reason? More wealthy, yeah, 100%. Well, uh, on average. On average. I mean, there are lots of high IQ people who are down, down and out, you know. Um, but yeah, I think on average, yeah, you could say that. So, so if a small group of people like Ashkenazi Jews are on average smarter than the rest of us and leverage that to make wise investment decisions and business decisions that, that you might see Jews in high places with a lot of resources. Yeah. yeah. So what you the, might. So what the fuck is the problem with that? Um, I think that IQ is overblown a little bit. I think that there are a lot of people who believe that, uh, especially past a certain point, you know what I mean? Um, the difference between somebody who's got a 100 IQ and somebody who's got a 75 IQ, that's a pretty big difference. But I think going up from there, it starts to matter less. Um, and so that that's something to consider yeah and that uh you know the equation this is sort of related i was talking to my wife the other day and i said one of the things i one of the things i've come to believe as in at this point in my life as an adult is that human beings can put their mind like your average maybe there are people with low like low iq like iq below a certain threshold that maybe this isn't exactly true, but most people, by and large, if they put their mind into something difficult that they've never done before, like learn a new language, learn a new skill, whatever, you dedicate yourself passionately for two or three years, and you can learn it. You can learn a new language, you can learn to weld, you can become an artist, you can become a fair artist, a fair craftsman, maybe even a great one. You know, like that's possible. If I wanted to learn Chinese, I could do it. I might not. Be, I might not have the greatest accent, but I could do it. If I wanted to learn uh, how to run electric and plumbing and you know cr uh, building trades, and I sp and I spent two or three years of dedicated time, I could do that. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to like become a great basketball player, now this is a little bit difficult because some people will have advantages over over me physically um, that make it you know impossible for me to ever be as good as them, but. I could get way, way better at basketball if I dedicated myself to it. Mm -hmm. And when you're young, you don't feel that way. When you're young, you feel like every challenge is like an obstacle that you that's 
uh, insurmountable. It's like you've never proven to yourself that you can climb that mountain so you feel like it's, it's Everest and you're going to die halfway up. How do you feel about that? You feel like you can, you can become anything you choose to if you put the effort in? Um, yes, I think there are probably some things that you can't, you know, um, some things that you just have to be, just come to you naturally, gifts that you just have to have, but for the most part, yeah, I agree with you. I I can't even think of an example of like one of those types of things, but I'm sure there probably are some things where it's like you practice all you want, you're not going to be, you know. You just don't have it. Yeah. So, so my wife pushed back on me because my wife played sports her whole life. Mm-hmm. And she's like, if you didn't start at six, like if you didn't start skateboarding at six, you're never going to be a great skateboarder. If you didn't start volleyball at, you know, whatever, 10 years old, you're never going to be a great volleyball player. And I'm like, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe there's some parts where, where it has to do with muscle memory yeah, and, and I, during your developmental stages. I think that's stages. the difference is that it's like a fit like an intensely physical competition thing. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not playing in the NFL. You know, it's like, I'm already aged out of the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Uh, It's just not going to happen. Um, So I do think that there's some truth in that sense, but like in a lot, so that is, like I said, I think that there are things that you're just practicing. I could do, I could start working out, start practicing. I'm not going to play in the NFL. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that is any of those kind of things are like the, the things that I was talking about, but almost everything else, you well, know, it's, it's like learning guitar. I mean, although maybe I don't know, maybe the, there is some truth that if you don't start young, you're not going to you're not going to be able to may, you'll be able to play guitar, right. but you're not going to be Eddie Van Halen. Right. You may you may not be the greatest whatever, but. If you if you spent the next three years dedicating yourself to becoming a great, be way better. great linebacker, you would be the best linebacker in the city league that they've ever known. Yeah. If, seriously, if you put if you cared about that more than anything else in the world, you know, that's I, a it's a weird thing to care about as a grown man. Like I'm about to be <laughs> the best little league linebacker. So, there, I guess I think maybe there, there's part of the reason I'm bringing this up is this idea of effort versus like genetic inheritance. You know. Um, but like one of the things that specifically comes to mind with me is math. Mm. You know, I struggled with it in school. I put the effort in in, in college, and I, I did well, and I learned a lot, uh, and I've forgotten it all. It's been a long, long time since I've put any effort into it. But there's some of the math that comes up with physics, in particular, like quantum physics and, uh, you know, geometry and all kinds of things. Like this fractal geometry stuff that I'm pointing where no one can see, but this, this Mandelbrot set, this fractal geometry and the math behind it, fascinates me and I know that if I put the effort into it I could learn it what I mean is I think I could understand quantum physics at the level of university you know uh, level that I could I could get there yeah and it would be hard but I am 100% certain that I could learn it to the point where I could have a conversation with a physicist and have it have an intelligent conversation with a physicist and I kind of want to but it's a, it seems like a lot of work, and I don't really know where to begin. I've got a book sitting up on the shelf that I've had for ages. On the Shoulders of Giants. On the Shoulders of Giants. I just picked a random one. That's crazy. That's, yeah, so I've got On the Shoulders of Giants that sits right underneath the Origin of Species, and it was, uh, the, it was basically 
uh, Stephen Hawking wrote the introduction, and then the rest of it was a compilation of all the great works of physics. So it's like Einstein, Galileo, Kepler, Copernicus, and all that stuff is the original, uh, you know, great papers that were written about about how we came to understand the cosmos and how it how it works. And there's if you open it up, it's filled with formulas and graphs. And I've had that book forever, and I don't have any fucking idea what any of it means, you know. And like I want to know what yeah. it means, and I know that I can understand it. I can if I put the effort in. Yeah. You know. Are you going to? Uh, one day. Yeah. <laughs> one of these days. One of these days. Yeah. I don't know that there's anything too difficult for it for even an average intelligent person to understand, given the right amount of effort, you know? Sure. Like when I was in college. It's I, a big difference between understanding things and physically doing things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in college, I took an intro to philosophy class. It was one of my favorite classes ever. And I remember the, he, the professor introduced Jean-Paul Sartre. Have you heard Jean-Paul mm-hmm. Sartre? Uh, right here. I believe French yep. pronounce it Sartre. Jean-Paul Sartre, um, being in nothingness. You, I want, I want to point out for the people who can see, there is no crease. There's no crease, right? That means this book's never been opened before. I haven't started it, and you see how fucking big it is. It's a big ass book. It's intimidating. It's like the Bible. It's very intimidating. And eventually, I'm gonna read it. God damn, even the font is small, dude. Anyway, I'm gonna read this one day. But my professor told me like, it's way way too difficult for you you're you know you shouldn't even try because we had to pick a philosopher to write about a paper about or whatever and um he basically discouraged he's like this is beyond you and it's interesting as a young man i'm like fuck you beyond me what's beyond me i'm you know what i mean what's beyond me i'm a young man yeah um and maybe maybe he was right like you know i didn't have enough experience to understand it or whatever Um, but I feel like today if I read this it would be hard and it would be a trudge and I would have to claw through it but I could absolutely understand John Paul Sartre absolutely no doubt in my mind is that arrogance no I don't think so I think um, I just don't why would that be arrogant I don't uh, why? What is arrogant about saying that you could understand it? Well, he's he's one of the most brilliant minds that ever lived, and I'm and I'm who am I? I'm a regular guy. So what the fuck did? It, why did he even read? Why did he even write the book? You know, if that's how people feel about it, then why do these people contribute in the hopes that somebody will be able to fucking understand it? I mean, and I just don't really think that. You know, I've got respect for Sartre, uh, but. I just don't think that is is if a philosopher you know composes a body of work and it is so you know like esoteric and crazy that nobody understands it is that good philosophy? It's a great it's a great question. So so many philosophers write for philosophers mm-hmm. and they don't write for the common man to understand. And that I don't know if like. If like you go back to older philosophy, if it's like that's the way they spoke, you know, like you know, and that's what makes it difficult, or if it's that they were trying to make it sound smarter than it has to be, mm-hmm. 
and I think that is part of it. Uh, yeah, I do too. I think um, that's got to be part of it back then because it's part of it now. Like people who are like philosopher types, you read stuff that they write and it's like, why do you have to write like that? Yeah, yeah. And I know sometimes when you're talking about things that are hard to explain, sometimes that kind of writing is necessary, you know, because you're describing something that's really complicated and you're, ne you're never going to explain it to someone fully by words. So you like, if you're going to give them any kind of a picture, you really got to like dig into it, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's not the case all the time. Sometimes people just, you know, want to bloviate and... Well, I have to say that there's a lot of the philosophy that I read for my solo episodes, I have to like look up words constantly. Yeah. And it's not even easy for me to like remember the meanings of them, especially if they're Latin, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, why are you doing that? Like, I know why they did that in, in the 1600s, because like, you know, Latin, just prior to that, Latin was the only language of academia. So you're going to put in Latin words from, from time to time. Like Kant is notorious for a priori and a posteriori and shit like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, why? A priori means before experience. Why can't you just say before experience, you fuck? You know? Yep. So one of the philosophers that I love, that I do not understand one fucking bit, is Heidegger. And people complain that Heidegger wrote to confuse people, to, to show off how smart he was. And it makes it, um, it makes his great contributions to philosophy unaccessible to people. And so, like, to your point, is that a good thing, you know? Yeah. You know, and uh, one of the things I've said before is that, uh, and I've heard this from other people, it's not my thing, that people say, somebody who understands a topic well can explain it simply. If you have somebody rattling on and on and on and on, like I do when I do my solo episodes, that's somebody who doesn't understand it. That's fucking me, trying to understand it. If I have a thousand words to say to try to understand something that somebody who's deeply knowledgeable can tell me in four sentences, you know, that's what you're looking for. And that's what you see in like physics where people say all these like crazy complicated equations can't be right. Because the ones that turn out to be true are simple and elegant. And that's how that's how we should be communicating, you know? We should find ways of making it simple and elegant so that people can understand it. Yeah. I agree with that. I think it would be beneficial to your work if more people, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to boil everything down to like money, but I mean, if you're trying to sell books, it's helpful if people can fucking understand the book, you know? Yep. So how do you feel about this idea we're talking about, this sort of philosophical language and the way that they write being complicated? Do you see parallels? in the gender ideology woke vocabulary? Um, like cisgendered and you know, I guess, genderqueer and all these yeah, things. Yeah, they definitely have their own, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Lexicon? Vocabulary, yeah. 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 Um, I don't think that it's, so when I read really complicated philosophy that you have to like read you, you, you got to read the paragraphs more than once every single one of them every single one of them um and when i read those sometimes i'm like man this is it's like um tedious you know it's like i don't sometimes it's like i don't even really want to be reading this but i've got like this desire to understand it you know 
Um, and I don't, but that being said, there is still something that is impressive about it. Like these people who wrote it, they're obviously smart people. Right. Even if it's just like, you know, kind of like, uh, like intellectual masturbation at, at a certain point, they're still obviously very smart people. I don't feel that way about a lot of the gender ideologists. Like they're not impressive. They're not, they don't come off as smart. They yeah. come off as opinionated fucking morons. Yeah. So, so they're words that philosophers will invent mm -hmm. or they'll repurpose. And uh, like with Heidegger, there's a, a word called Dasein that he, that he uses. And it's a German word and it means something in German. I don't know what it is. But the way I've come to understand it is trying to describe the way things exist. And this is my, I'm probably wrong, this is the way I've come to understand it. When he says Dasein, he means a being, like you and I, in being. You know, mm -hmm. a being in being. That's how everything is. Everything exists as some sort of a being existing within being. And we can say human being, but if I just say being, I mean existence, you know? Um, and so it's complicated, but that's what it, that's my, my best guess as to what it means. And so he uses this word to have a particular meaning because there isn't a word that exists that has that meaning. So he invents one. Mm -hmm. But then you contrast that to these gender ideology woke people, and they say things like cisgendered or gender nonconforming. Okay, okay. Let's take cisgendered for an example. It's a word that need not exist because we already have a word for that. Cisgendered just means an ordinary person. It means normal, decent human being. Even even normal. They take that word and they call it normative, yeah. and they act like it's discriminatory in some way, and that's such bullshit. But my point is the difference between saying cisgendered is a word that doesn't have you don't you don't add anything to the understanding of gender by by creating this new word. Heidegger needed to create a new word because there was nothing existing that meant that. Mm. We already have a word. It's called gender to mean what they call cisgender. What so, is so you're not adding anything. What are you doing? You're, you're you're creating a, an extra complication of language so that you have this secret language among your inner circle that only, you know, you I understand. think that if you grant, which I don't, but if you do grant to them that trans, non-binary is a thing, then I think, you know, again, granted that that's a real thing, mm -hmm. I think that you they do have a need to create the word cisgender. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think it's a real thing. Well, I don't either. But regardless of how I feel about it, they, that's how they feel about it, you know? So, so they feel that they have the need to create that word. So they're, but see, they're doing, they're creating the word in order to create a reality. And Heidegger is creating a word to describe reality. I think they're creating a word to create a reality. Yes. Yeah, I think maybe some of them, but I also think that some of them are, you know, I would say like brainwashed at this point into believing that there's the reality first and that they're describing it, you yeah. know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So it's hard, I mean, you know, I'm with you. I think I think it's bullshit, but you know. Listen, man, if by gender we mean we mean Gonads. If by gender we mean we mean gonads. Balls. There are two kinds. Period. Every now and every now and then you get you get a little bit of a crossover. You get this 
you know, hermaphroditic situation, every now and then it's very, very rare. In fact, did you know, I think I'm pulling this out of my ass, but I've heard before that red hair and green eyes are so rare that they're considered to be a genetic deformity. deformity. Yeah. Now, that happens with some people's gonads, but it's so rare that it's, that it's, it's an anomaly, okay? So we already, by gender, we already, we already have this understanding. Gender equals gonads, right? Gender equals fucking gonads. Then, then we have this... Then we That's got to be the name of the podcast. Gender <laughs> equals gonads. Uh, gender equals gonads. That's what we'll call it. All right. Um, where was it going with this? Okay, then you have gender roles, which is a social thing. And I'm completely okay with that. Dif- different societies have different, um, you know, norms for behaviors and customs and dress and culture that are different for, for, for gonads, right? If you have one gonad, it, it carries with it certain rights and responsibilities and expectations. I've got two gonads, thank you. <laughs> if you have a different type of gonad, then you have different, right? And that's something that you could say, um, you could take issue with. You could say this culture is discriminatory or unfair in their obligations and their social obligations and pressure for a particular person with a particular gonad. You can have that conversation if you want to, but what you can't say is that because I don't believe that the cultural um, accoutrements that come with a particular sex organ, um, because I don't like it, then I don't believe in gonads. And that's what that, that's what they're saying with when they say trans. They're saying I don't believe in gonads, and you know what I mean? For Christ's sake, man, you're bending reality out of shape to create a world that doesn't exist, and it pisses me off. Yeah, I'm with you. It's about truth. It is about truth. It's about manipulation. I hate it yeah. when, when people try to change the way I... You know, one of the things... I'm talking a lot. <laughs> one, one of the things I said on, on one of my solo episodes that, that I listened back to and it struck me is I, I said... I don't want to read what other people say about a philosopher. Because how then will I ever know what I think of the philosopher Mm -hmm. or the ideas? How will I ever know what I think of the ideas? And that's an interesting thing to say to yourself. Like, I want to know what I think. Now, shouldn't you know what you think? But you don't. People don't know what they think. They have to think through it. They have to engage ideas and people. Then they'll figure out what they what, then they'll understand what it is they think. I want to know what I think. And when somebody tries to tell me this is what is true and this is what you should think, I just want to say, fucking, how do, you know what? It's what I, I want to know what I think. I don't want you to shove it down my throat. And that's what, that's what social scientists are trying to do. And they've been, and they've been trying, maybe they've been trying to do it forever, but they've definitely been doing it since the 70s, since the 60s with the postmodernists. Social scientists. What does that even mean? Man? I don't know. That's what I. It's what the fuck is that? It's a great question. Because it's not like it's not like chemistry. No. Nope. It's not like math. Social science. You know how do you how do you measure that? Seems like a lot of bullshit to me. How do you put culture in a beaker? You know. I don't know. I don't think you can, man. Mm, yeah, I don't know, man. I think. Uh, you know, I hear that, you know, you remember 10 years ago, trans 
people were a thing, but not really. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember. Um, and it's slowly, you know, been exploding in an unrealistic way. Even, I mean, I honestly, I'm at a point where I don't think that trans. How do I say this without? Because I really don't even think that it's debatable. I, trans is not a real thing. It's not. There are no trans people. That doesn't mean I'm erasing trans people. That means that I think that people who call themselves trans are either mentally ill or deeply confused or attention-seeking fucking losers. Or deeply confused. Yeah. Or all of the above. All of the above. Um, but. Basically, like, so the trans thing exploded, um, and from what I understand, the instances of lesbians is like they're gone. I've heard that. Yeah, there's no more lesbians. That's the that's the thing, man. The, the fact that the transgender debate doesn't have to do with sexual preference um, is a little strange. Um, but if you're one of those people that says, "I'm a, I was born a girl," but I don't like all of the social obligations surrounding being a girl. I don't want to have to be pretty. Mm. I don't want to have to like be submissive. I don't want to have to cook Thanksgiving dinner. I want to be an engineer. I want to fucking never have kids and be a high-powered CEO. Whatever, whatever it is that you want to do or think you want to do, by all means. What that doesn't mean is that your vagina and ovaries are inconsistent with your body. That's what that doesn't mean. Yeah. It means that you have other values and priorities, and that's perfectly fine. Why do you have to cut off your breasts? What are you fucking doing? You know? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, man. Well, that's good news then. Uh, because from what I understand, in the way that people becoming trans has basically gotten rid of lesbians, non-binary is basically going to do that to trans people. Like, the, the these people who are like, you know, lopping off their genitals and things like that. Um, that's all gonna go away because of the non-binary. It's like, I still think that the idea of gender non-binary is like damaging to our society. I don't think it's good. That being said though, I do think it's better that you have some like crazy people who think that they don't fit into reality uh, without them having to mutilate themselves, Sure. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that, an understanding of being gender non-binary, all that means is I don't I don't feel like the social expectations of my gonads is appropriate or desirable. Fine, that has to do with society and culture. It has nothing to do with your body. It has nothing to do with your body. These the people that are making it have something to do with your body, and this is the thing that's so fucking disgusting. Because this is coming almost exclusively from the from the left, right? The people that don't think corporations and and money should be involved in be, uh, in society or culture or government because they because they manipulate because they uh, get tied into collusion. You know, if the if the if there's money to be made and money's changing hands, you know. That's all a, a recipe for disaster. Nothing good can come of that. So, you know, those are the same people now that have created an industry. Um, not only the the sex change operations, but also the therapy, and also the uh, you know, there's a whole 
billion-dollar industry. Pharmaceuticals and Pharmaceuticals, involved, right, yeah. That have formed around this yep. and are driving it. And the lefties that would normally say, you know, get rid of this corporate influence, get rid of all this, you know, uh, shady shit, have no problem with, with it taking over the trans, um, or, you know, a debate. Yeah. No problem with that. It's so hypocritical, man. Yeah. It's fucked up, man. It's, uh, like I said, I, I obviously I think that all of that is terrible, and if the non-binary thing comes in and like cuts the legs out from under that abusive system, then that's that's good. Um, that being said, like I said earlier, I don't. I still think that the whole non-binary thing. I, I think it's got negative implications for society. I mean, well, you know, I, I agree. This is probably controversial, although it fucking shouldn't be. So, I, I keep talking about the crux of this trans debate being social obligations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'd all agree with that. If I'm a, if I'm a effeminate boy or effeminate man, and I don't want to work on cars, and I don't want to go hunting, and I don't want to get dirt under my fingernails, I just want to like, you know, fucking put on a button-down dress shirt and take a... Take a Take a stroll through the mall. Right, you know, like, whatever. Like, I shouldn't be forced by society to be one way if I don't want to. And I, every human being on the face of the earth would agree with that, I think. It's like, if you don't want to be that way, be whatever way you want, man. And and that doesn't have anything to do with your body or your genes or surgery or anything else. Um, But, to your point, there is a division of labor that has happened since the Stone Age since as early as, as we know. And it's like, look, there's a lot of shit that has to get done for human beings to survive. We have to build shelters, we have to find food, we have to clean our water, we have to take care of our sick, we have to make clothes, we have to stay warm. There's all kinds of things we need. And no one person can do it all. So we divide the labor. That's what hunting and gatherers is all about. Dividing the fucking labor. So, and specialize, right? That's what's caused he, the human race to succeed because we've specialized in shit that allows us to then trade, that creates the economy, that creates wealth, that pulls us out of poverty, that gives us technology. And that's how, that's how the world fucking works, man. That's how it's always worked because mm-hmm. we have figured out a division of labor. It is completely incontrovertible that the division of labor naturally falls along gender lines. That's one of the ways that it happens. Not the only way, but one of the ways. If I am a man, and, I, and, and that means I'm 30% larger than the women in the, in the tribe, my bone density is 20% you know, uh, thicker than the women's, I am a more robust creature. Mm-hmm. Maybe even, and I've heard this before, maybe this is wrong, that my hand-eye coordination is better. I've heard that, that men have better hand-eye coordination than women on average. All of that stuff makes me a better hunter than a woman. Yep. So if we have to hunt for food, should I send the woman or should I send the man? Right? It makes absolutely zero sense to send the woman out to do the dangerous job, by the way. She's the only one that can have kids. That's fucking priority number one for the tribe, to survive. Why am I gonna, why am I gonna put her at risk when, I'm a, when I am better suited um, biologically to go do that job? So it makes perfect sense why the division of labor in certain 
reasons would fall along gender lines. The dangerous jobs and the jobs that require, you know, a lot of muscle power, right? That's going to go to men. Every fucking time, in every culture, period. Yeah. <coughs> now, we talk about IQ. So there's going to be instances where some people have a higher IQ. They're more capable of doing things that require brain power. So the division of labor for those things is going to go to the smart people. It's just, it, why do it any other way? It doesn't make any sense to do it any other way. Then we, then we fast forward thousands of years and complain about it. And say, and say, you know, women should be able to fucking go up on power lines and do dangerous jobs. Why can't women do it? They fucking can, and they should if they want to. But there are other people in the tribe they that can, are equipped. They can, and they should if they want to, but they shouldn't be... I don't think that if a company, you know, whatever these fucking, you know, the electrical companies that maintain the power lines, all that, if the company doesn't want to hire a woman, they shouldn't have to. Like, um, the, that, that kind of stuff, uh, I don't think makes any sense. Like, it, we'll go with women in combat. Why? Why? I mean, just because they can, just because they could do it, doesn't mean that they should, I think, you know? Um, and I don't think it's wrong of society to say no, you know, yeah. you, you're not, no, you're not allowed to, you know? So, um, you can imagine there, there's an outlier woman out there. Um, she's probably a black woman because by the way, black women, ha black women have the average bone density of a white man, which is just a fact. So let's say you have this outlier black woman. Maybe she's Brittany Griner. Maybe she's six, four. She's a powerful lady. She's got, she's smokes got a little weed. She smokes a little weed. She's got great hair. <laughs> she's a, she's back. She's got the bone density. She's athletic. She wants to fight. And she, if, if, if I got injured on the battlefield, she could throw me over her shoulders and carry me out just like a man. Should she be allowed to fight? Um, I don't care, to be honest with you. But I also think that if a society says no, then no. You know, like I don't, I, I just don't really think it's that bad. Like I think that there are, we have, you know, cultural divisions of labor like you were talking about but it, not based on necessity based on well i think that things that are in culture are like due to some sort of necessity of reality you know what i mean right um <laughs> yeah i just don't like the outliers the like one or fucking two outliers i don't know i just don't really feel that bad for them i don't think that um we need to adjust the rules of society for outliers. That's, that's that's the point. That's the point. There's there's no. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever to bend the rules of society to accommodate a tiny fraction of people that are outliers. Because mm -hmm. then you get other people like you let Brittany Griner in, and then you have got you know like six months later you've got some bum bitch who's not going to be able to pick you up and sling you over her shoulder, and it's like so. We opened the door for you, and now you're dragging us down. You're and you know, and that's like, it's a real problem in the military yeah. today. Yeah. Like the level of people that they're getting in the military, it's not good. You know, I, I've heard many military people talk about that. I've heard Jocko, um, Tim Kennedy talking about like, it's not what it used to be. You know, like it's a good thing we've got all this technology and money because the uh, the human aspect of it ain't what it used to be. Yeah. See, that's a problem, man. This is the idea of standards. And this goes back to like, well, we can talk about public schools, standardized tests, and things like that. It's like, 
They're constantly lowering the standards because kids aren't rising to the level of what they're expected to. Mm -hmm. And same with the military. It's like, if we want to accommodate having women in battle, we have to lower the standards. Listen, man, if, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a freedom guy. I think Brittany Griner, the Brittany Griner type chick, um, should be able to fight in combat if, if she can satisfy the standards of a soldier. Mm -hmm. And if she can't, you know, if, uh, if Ellen DeGeneres wants to join the, 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 the military, but she can't run the fucking uh, obstacle course and she can't pick me up and drag me off the battlefield, she can't be a soldier. Yep. But Brittany Griner can be a soldier. Let her be a soldier. You know, I'm perfectly happy with that. The problem is there will be people that want to for whatever reason, which is another conversation we should have. Why? Why do they want to? Because society tells them being a woman is is insufficient. So that's a good question about why they want to. And you said that society tells them that they should want to, you know. Um, but it's just like where do those ideas come from, you know? <laughs> why do those ideas? Why are they like so successfully disseminated? You know. I mean, when we were kids, I remember this high-powered CEO type woman, CEO type character. Like women wanted to be corporate attorneys. They wanted to be, you know, these high-powered, high-valued. Uh, um, rich types that are almost exclusively limited to basically sociopathic men that work 80 hours a week and don't have anything to, you know, anything else going on. That's what, that's what they were told was better, right? Than, than having a family. Now I imagine that sort of thing started in the universities and got disseminated that way, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't done the research. Yeah. Uh, most things do tend to start there. Um, and then, you know, via, you know, you, you like crank out these, um, these minions who believe all the stupid bullshit that you've pumped into their head over their four, six, eight years of college. Um, and then those people go out into the world and, you know, they get their jobs and they disseminate that through whatever, you know, channels they, that, you know, are uh, available to them. So... It's a, it's pretty pervasive, you know. Like uh, this, that kind of ideology, it's everywhere, you know. Like, it, no matter where you look, there's someone telling people that I don't know that they should do what they want, you know, all the time. <clears throat> telling them that that they're inadequate or insufficient if they don't do what the most successful, whatever that means, men do. It's so goddamn sexist. For someone to say, as a woman, you aren't valuable unless you can do what the most you know, successful men do. It's like, first of all, measuring success between different people will be different. Mm -hmm. Measuring success between groups like men and women, first of all, that's fucking impossible to generalize about. But it will be different. Success for a woman, it's, I mean, saying that I have had a successful life or something, whatever that might mean, is going to be different for everybody. So to presume that you have to be a corporate attorney working 80 hours a week, not having a family, and, and be... What, what they were telling us growing up in the 80s and 90s is that a woman had to become a man or she was not as good as a man, you know? Mm -hmm. Now they're saying women have to cut their breasts off 
and, and create a fake penis or they're not as good as a man. It's completely sexist. Any way you look at it. Yeah. And I wonder, I watched this documentary when I was sick about Xanax. I told, I told you about it, right? Last time on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's talking about the levels of depression among women. And those uh, For Him's and For Her's commercials are the best example of this. You see the company For Him's and For Her's now. The men are being given <coughs> Cialis and uh, medicine to keep them from coming too soon. And they're advertising this. This is what men's problems are, right? They want to get their dick hard, and they they, they don't want to they don't want to come too soon. And then they see the for hers commercials, and it's depression medicine and Xanax and anxiety medicine. That's what it is. Yeah. Now my question is, we have an an epidemic of depression and anxiety, and it's worse now than it's ever been Got in human history. An epidemic of depression and anxiety. Amongst women and soft dicks among men. Yeah. That's fucking... That's, what a world. That's the, all the social commentary you need. What a fucking world. We're, we're completely fucked. And you might wonder why. Because we're supposed to have all this progress. And I'm my question is, do you think that women have been told for, you know, for, for 50 years that they're not good enough unless, they're, unless they act more like men? Which is so fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. But let's just say that now they don't, by and large follow their, let's say, biological and psychological, like, instincts. They they don't have kids, or they wait wait, wait a lot, lot longer to have kids, or whatever it is. They don't, they choose different careers, even ones that, statistically, women aren't going to, aren't, aren't going to enjoy, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Peterson. But fucking men don't enjoy them. Like, yeah, I, I, a lot of the stuff that, like, women want to do because men do it, it's like, men don't. Men don't want to do it, you know? It's like uh, they do it because they need to, you know? Right. Like somebody's got to do it, and there's an opportunity there. So, you know. Do, do you think that this is where the... <coughs> God damn it. Where the high levels of depression come from. That women aren't allowed... They're not allowed, they're not permitted by society any longer to follow their instincts. They're not allowed. They, they're made to feel bad and guilty if they want to have a family. They're made to feel bad and guilty if they want to have children. They, they're made to feel bad and guilty if they if they have any traditional beliefs. Mm-hmm. And we're wondering why they're committing suicide. They're, we're wondering why they're completely unhappy with their lives. Not as often as men, but yeah. Same thing with men, men. Men are told, you, you know, masculinity is toxic. You know, little boys that have ADD just because they're hyper. You gotta medicate them up and 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 don't let them play and don't let them develop and tell them they're bad because they have aggression and they want to. You know, it's com- we're not we're driving. We're trying to fight instincts. We're trying to fight hundred thousand years of evolution. For what? For this perception of social progress that isn't social progress. I don't. I, I mean, I don't think that it's a natural... I don't think that these ideas are popping up organically. I mean, I, I, I pretty much fully believe at this point that those ideas were seeded into our culture for specific pers- purposes and they're working like a fucking charm. Mm. Um, and I think that those purposes are con- control of the population, you know? Um you talked about it before when 
Um, this has happened a few times in history. A, you know, some kind of outside force will, you know, trying to overtake an area, and one of the things they do is they start broadcasting porn. Mm-hmm. Because it makes people docile. It makes people just, like, sit there, you know, um, mm-hmm. and just look at how pervasive it is in our society. It's so easy to get... It's free. It's in your pocket all the time. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that that's um, an accident. I think that that's... There's a reason for that. It's interesting. It's interesting because you look at... You look at what... That's something Kanye was talking about, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. He was talking about porn. He was talking about how there's this big like, push against pedophilia in society right now, but um, like, there's this big push against pedophilia, especially amongst like right-wing people, mm-hmm. um, but right-wing people consume porn just as much as anyone. Mm-hmm. And basically, anytime you're watching porn, you're like re-victimizing people who statistically most likely had some form of pedophilia, you know, uh, done to them, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. I wonder if it's similar if you consider like the types of drugs that have the blessing of the society Mm -hmm. and the types of drugs that don't. It's like you can go out and get opiates, you can get hooked on opiates, easy peasy, lemon, squeezy. Mm-hmm. You can get hooked on benzodiazepines, easy. You go to the doctor, you tell them you're a little anxious, you're on Xanax for the rest of your life, and you're fucked. Yep. And those are drugs that make you docile. They're drugs that make you dependent. Yep. But if you want to do psychedelics, you're going to jail forever, you know? I think, yep. I mean, I, I should... I have like some grand conspiracy theory, but I don't think that any of this stuff is accidental. I think that that's exactly what they want. They want to give people plenty of ways to make themselves completely fucking worthless, um, to never take any kind of power in their life. Mm. To you know, yes, um, yeah. I I just don't think it's accidental. There's you look at like every aspect of our culture and. None of it's good. Like, it all is feeding into the same shit, the same negative, <laughs> uh, negative, what's the word I'm looking for? Impulses is yeah. what, you know. So do you think, what do you think would happen if, like, I guess I'm playing the devils. I'm going to put myself in Kyle's seat for a second. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I've been watching Yellowstone, and I really don't enjoy it, but my, the rest of my family enjoys it, so I just suffer through it. It's um, crazy because I've heard really good things about it it's from not, a lot of people. It's not a bad show. I just don't. It's not for me. Oh, you talked about this last week. Yeah. It's got like uh, I told you yesterday last night. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Maybe I, I thought it was on last week. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's got the uh, the messaging. The uh, yeah. But the, this is like in Montana, I think it is, and it's like the wild fucking west, you know. Mm-hmm. And people can like, there's these two bad actors in season two that are that are like uh, they're like um, mafia type guys. And they come in, they have a lot of money, they have a lot of force, and they come in and they fuck everything up for everybody. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, it's like a cancer in your body. Uh, when you say bad actors, do you mean like doing bad things or like literally these guys oh, come <laughs> out were, could, were not acting well? No, doing bad things. Oh, okay. These are, yeah, these are people that um, are completely selfish and are willing to do whatever they need to do to benefit themselves and fuck everybody else. Yeah, okay. So I guess my question is, if we don't control the people if we don't make them docile if we don't get them under the thumb of something 
there will be people like that that will fuck everything up. So my question is, do you think that there's some like necessary part of the, you know, making us fight amongst ourselves and making us docile and dependent that is, that is trying to preserve, you know, our union? Because no. if not, there's going to be some people that will go crazy and fuck it up for everybody. Like, I'm not saying it's a good solution. I'm just saying, do you think that might be why? I don't really understand. So if they don't manipulate us with porn and drugs and everything, diet, everything, mm -hmm. some people might be assholes. What's well, like, take the... People are assholes, still. Take, take the Wild West in the 1800s. You've got people going out west to, to mine for gold or whatever. Yeah. And they're on the wagon trains going from the east coast all the way to the west coast. And along the way, they're settling little towns, you know? They're yeah. settling the country. And so you've got, like, <clears throat> 50 decent people with good intentions that are all on the same page that want to start this community. And they're building the fucking... Um, they're building the fucking market. They're building the jailhouse. They're building... They're whatever. They're, they're trying to create this place. And somebody comes in with guns and robs the bank and rapes the ladies. And, you know... Right? There's always going to be those people... So are we putting? Are we trying to put everybody under our th under the thumb of the government, making them docile and dependent? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's the reason. I don't think that has anything to do with it. That almost it's like they're making this really bad decision and doing bad things, but it's like you know we're doing it. We have good intentions. You know maybe the outcome isn't exactly what we want it to be, but for the most you know things are all right. You know. Um, I don't think that's it. I don't think the intentions are good. Because it, you know, it kind of makes me think that like the Jesse James type folks that I'm just describing, yeah. the, ca the cancer of society that goes around, the cuckoo bird folks that go around fucking everybody else up who's trying to be honest and just to have an easier life for themselves, those people today are the government. Mm -hmm. Almost every single politician is a fucking cuckoo. Every single one of them are, yeah. laying, their, are laying their eggs in a, somebody else's nest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're the Jesse Jameses, man. Yeah. From what I understand, you know, people talk about the Wild West, like there was tons of crime and stuff like that. From what I understand, that's not the case. There was, like, surprisingly little. Like, you had, you know, gangs of bandits and stuff, although I think that, that maybe that's, like, maybe a little bit more... It's like a romantic story, you know, these gangs of outlaws. Right. I'm sure there's truth to it, but I think a lot of it is fiction you know um but yeah i've heard knowledgeable people say that the the amount of like day-to-day -day crime for normal people in the wild west was pretty low it stands to reason man if you got a small got a fucking six shooter on your hip that's true. you know everybody's got a gun and it's a small community where everyone knows each other intimately mm -hmm. that's actually as far as i'm concerned that's the way to go that's the way to live yep you know big cities where people are anonymous and nobody gives a shit about anybody else how how could that possibly be a better way to live? You know? Human beings are not designed to know that many people. And so you live in New York City, everybody everybody is a faceless, you know, uh, ghost. And nobody has any um, love for them. Nobody has any obligations for them. Nobody's responsible for anybody. It's a fucking recipe for disaster. Do you think that happens in Mayberry? If that happens in fucking Mayberry? Probably Doesn't. not. Probably not. I just love the idea, like, like the, in the Amish community. Somebody's house burns down. Somebody needs to build a barn. 
and the whole community comes together and builds it in a day. Mm -hmm. like, why can't we, why can't that be the case everywhere? Why can't we all, why can't instead of us living in these big cities, we spread out in smaller communities and fill up the country with small communities and everyone live in places where we know and love and respect each other. And anybody who gets out of line, every single person in society points at them and says, fucking no. And what are you going to do? You're going to rob a bank? You're going to beat up somebody in the subway for no reason? Fuck no, you're not going to. Yeah. Yeah, I, man. I don't know what the solution is, man. The solution is what we were talking about doing, you know, I think I can't remember if it was last week or the week before we were talking about, you know, living in small communities um, and, and building it. Building yeah, yeah. It. Like actually developing your own community and yeah. not just living in a community or not even a community because there is no community a society um that you know like pushes all of these negative things on you yeah like for convenience sake and things like that um uh, what you just said there is no community uh, i couldn't agree more with that man i don't think there's such a thing as community anymore yeah i mean there are communities but a general sense among, like, Americans, Ohioans, whatever. Yeah, no, it's I, it's just too widespread, you know? It's like people say the gay community or the trans community or whatever. Mm -hmm. they are, they That's are, bullshit. They're not a community, yeah, no. you know? The only communities are, like, small voluntary communities, like churches, uh, yeah. you know, things like yeah. that. And families. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's the base, you know, the base community. Even that, man, with the uh, with the nuclear family, you know, the fact that we we don't live together anymore, the mm -hmm. fact that that your kin don't live near you anymore. It's crazy. You're not a community anymore. You're separated even from your cousins. You're separated even from your grandparents. That's you another thing that I would say is one of these like uh, insidious things that I don't think is. I think it's encouraged for a reason, you know. Um, the breaking up of the family unit is, I think, and I think it's pretty obvious that that's a goal. That that the people who are, you know, at the top of power tweaking things so that they can get their desired outcomes, they're tweaking things to make it to where people don't value family as much, you know. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you can see that with uh, the way that the federal government supports abortion. Which, listen, I'm not taking a stance on that. I, I don't. I don't want to. Um, I can see some pros and cons on both sides of that. I, I just, I'm not going to take a stand. But the fact that the government, federal government, supports it as heavily as they do, mm. why in the world would the federal government support the killing of babies all across the country, as many as you want? Why? Why in the world would the federal government support single mothers? And give them give them more money than they would if they were married, in order to prevent them from getting married, so that their kids don't have a father living in the house with them. Yep. Why in the world? And if and that that affects poor people, not just black people, not just white people. It affects poor people. But to use a liberal trope, it disproportionately affects people of color. And that's like actually true. Actually true. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times they say things like that, and it's a complete crock of shit. I, they do this all the time with the trans community. It's like it disproportionately affects the trans community. It's like, does it? There is no wow. trans community. Um, God damn it, guys. Community requires knowing each other. 
community requires sharing an identity and having responsibility for one each other. That being said, um, that does, that is like an actual thing that does disproportionately affect the black 100%. community. And if, and if you were, if, if, if I was a black person, I would be furious as to what the government has done to the black community. Or maybe you'd just be angry at white people. Instead, they vote for those the same big government people who've done it to them, and it is a it is a form of psychological slavery, mm -hmm. and it is terrible. And the fact that people don't see it means the government has done a great job, and society has done a great job of making it seem otherwise. And I don't know what to do about that. I don't I don't know how you can make that clear. In fact, you can't because if you say anything like what we just said, you're a racist. You're a bigot. You know, this episode's not going to fucking air on YouTube. This is going to be disappear, you know? You think? Have we had anything pulled down yet? I don't think, I don't, I don't think so, but I, I wanted to go check last week to see, because we talked about Jewiness, and we talked about Kanye, Jewiness. and Hitler, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I wanted to see, you know. Anytime you say, I love Hitler, it's, you know, it probably sends up red flags at YouTube. It does, yeah. But, you know. Jesus Christ, man. Um, I was going to say something. You you were ranting. Sorry, I lost it. sorry. I think I have a fiery day today. Yeah, you're you're all worked up. Um, it's about community. We're disproportionately affecting black, black people. The, the way yeah, that. I don't know. It's I don't know either. But I do. <laughs> but use I think using the word community, the way that they do in, in the media, is a manipulation. To say that there's a trans community, to say that to say that there's a black community or a white community. <coughs> it's just not true. It's just not true. You know how many white people I know? Barely enough to make a community. And we're not, we don't live together. We don't shop in the same places. You know, it's like, well, how are we a community? Mm -hmm. We're not a community. We're people that know each other. And you can't lump us in like that and call it a community and pretend that we, you know, have responsibility for each other and, and identify with each other. We do not. True. It's dangerous because we can and should. We have every right to create our own communities. And having a community is powerful. I think um, there would be pushback to you doing that. You know, they, they would make it as difficult as possible for you to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you, um, you, and eventually you might get David Koresh. That's what I was going to bring up. You brought that up last time. Yeah. You get it. You, uh, listen, I don't know enough to talk. I'm out of school about that, but I know any time there's ever been a, a religious community establishing itself, usually out west, um, trying to live off the grid and whatever, those people get killed. Those people get shut down. You know? Yeah. What the fuck? You know? And maybe they do believe some crazy stuff, but it's not fucking illegal to believe crazy stuff. It's not illegal to believe crazy stuff. I believe stuff. a whole lot of crazy stuff. You and me both, man. Basically, like, everything I've been talking about in the, this little segment here... A lot of people think that it's crazy. Oh, yeah. People are like... I, it doesn't even seem that crazy to me, but some people think it is that, like, people are influencing society and culture in order to meet an end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just the implication of that is a lot of people think it's crazy. A lot of people lump it in with a, a bunch of other... You know, it's like, oh, you believe that, you must believe that, uh, you know, <coughs> Bigfoot's real or something, I don't know. So I was just thinking while you were talking of, uh, remember I brought up the Amish example, raising a barn? Mm -hmm. So imagine if you lived in a 
a real community. Let's say you're out, you're out in BFE, Idaho someplace, and uh, you have a power grid that you built with, you, with a, a whole bunch of other families. You move out there, you build a power grid on a fucking, you know, power, uh, hydroelectric, whatever, on the river. You guys have fish, you guys hunt, you guys, you guys, um, uh, you know, have your farms, you, uh, you know, you trade with each other, you're pretty self-sufficient. You trade with other people too, but you're pretty self-sufficient. You're a small community, you've got the doctors that live there and the dentists and the whatever, the financial advisors and everybody. And if somebody loses their job and they have a family, you kill them. Everybody knows them and everybody knows they got fired and everybody knows they have kids. And the whole community chips in, and it just takes a little bit from everybody chipping in to feed them, to get them through until they get a new job and get back on their feet, and it's easy, right? Somebody gets a terrible cancer diagnosis, and they can't afford to pay for all that all that expense. Mm-hmm. And the doctor in the in, in the in the hospital in the community, they fucking just write that off, and they and they take care of you, mm-hmm. right? You can do that. It sounds a lot like communism, Chris. It does, doesn't it? You, but voluntarily, right? Yeah. You can do that in a small community. <clears throat> you don't need welfare. You don't need food stamps. You don't need WIC. You don't need homeless shelters. You don't need any of that because the community could easily take care of the, of the small percentage of people that have catastrophic things happen to them. Yeah. And everybody would want to because everyone knows and loves you and you're part of the community. You're a cog in the machine and we can't do without you. That is completely different from the way our society operates. Yeah, especially because how many, there are obviously definitely people that we can't live without. There's a bunch of fucking people that we can live without. But could those people survive in a small community like I just said? Could you have a mooch? I don't, I mean, probably not. But I, I mean, my point is just that t- to get, to set up the kind of community that you're talking about, you're going to have to be very selective about who you allow into it because we have so many people in the world right now in our society who contribute absolutely fucking nothing. Correct. I guess what I what I envision is that those people simply wouldn't exist in that type of a community. They couldn't. That that str- get rid that, of them? No, because this oh. because that survival strategy wouldn't work, right? As, as soon as you say I'm just going to live off the coffers. Yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean, uh, but that's like down the road, you know, like because right now we do have a bunch of people, and like I said, you could, I think that we should be trying to develop these kind of communities, but the way the world is right now, like I said, you would have to be very selective about who you allow in, you know. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know if that's the case. I think if you were born into a community like that, you you would have almost none of that. But um, you're not going to have. At first, people aren't going to be born into it. You know, you're right. gonna, you're going to have to like take people on through osmosis. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So in that situation, I think that goes back to the social pressure. I think if it doesn't have to be legally enforced, right? It should shouldn't be. It's just socially enforced. So if somebody is a is not contributing and trying to mooch, then nobody talks to you. You go out, nobody, nobody's friends with you. You know, you 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 might even have a situation like that. Like, um, what's his face brought up? Um, what's the guy's name? Uh, <coughs> uh, the the podcaster guy that we bring up from time to time, the Canadian Jordan Peterson. Oh, no, him too. The the, the, the pseudo psychologist guy that gets a lot of shit. 
Stefan Molyneux. He proposes um, a situation where in that environment, you would, this is kind of like a social credit score type thing, but he would say, he would say that you, you simply don't have, uh, you know, contractual access to any of the public goods anymore. Mm. You can't shop at the grocery store anymore. You can't, you can't, you know, uh, use the toll road anymore. You can't, you know, whatever. So like that kind of social pressure would make it impossible for you to be a mooch. You must contribute. If you don't, you can't survive here. Mm-hmm. You know? True. I don't know. Does sound more communist than I would like it to sound. No, I'm all right, I'm all right with it. It has to be voluntary, though. That's the thing. That, that would that would be what makes it different. And the fact that the fact that you're still you're not isolated. You're still trading with other communities. You're still part of this bigger social group. If that community that you described just there is a problem for like libertarian-minded people who are like all anti-communism, then those people are fucking retarded. Yep. And you're not even thinking about how things play out in reality. You're just like anti an idea and you, you know, I, I just, I can't stand that. Me either. It's fucking annoying, man. If something works, it works, yeah. and, you know? I admit to being that way when I was younger. Oh yeah, I mean, for sure. But you, you don't get practical until you start getting older. Ideas when you're younger are super powerful and overwhelming and uh, I'm, I'm the first to admit that I've been there. Where ideas have have, you, you, you know, it's like you never consider whether they would work. You just consider how good the idea sound seems. You know. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk Neil deGrasse? I know I talked to you about this yesterday, so I might be beating a dead horse, but Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't really want to talk about him. I can't fucking stand him. But yeah, we'll talk about him. Well, I just I tweeted about him after he was on Rogan last time, and uh, I just said that it was his absolute worst showing yet. It's like every time he comes on Rogan, he talks less about science and he, more about and more about race and politics. Yeah. And it's just really really disgusting. Mm-hmm. Coming from coming from a person that first of all he, he's been ingratiated into the society. We like him. Yeah. We like we like him as a public scientist. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's a he's a popular scientist, yes. which is crazy. I mean, how many popular scientists are there? <coughs> There's a handful, handful. and he's yeah. one of them. Yep. So first of all, we hate oh we hate black people here in America, but you're a popular scientist for some reason. You're also like one of the most educated people in the country. You're in like guaranteed the top one percent of educated people in the country. <coughs> um, it just seems like Neil seems like Neil deGrasse Tyson has had it really hard. You know, it seems like he's really struggled his way up and yeah, just yeah. uh yeah what you mean fuck that guy man he's such a i can't stand well, that I, dude I, I told you that he talked over <coughs> he talked over joe that's in been that increasing i mean it was so bad it was almost almost hard to even continue to listen to it i don't understand why joe has him on anymore me either and not only does he talk over joe but he talks to joe like he's a fucking idiot too and I've got my issues with Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan is not stupid. No. Um, he's very capable of understanding, the, the, honestly, not that complicated shit that you're saying to right. him, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially as he talks less and less about actual science uh, and talks more and more about the stupid bullshit. It's not complicated. It's wrong, you know? It's like, it's so fucking stupid that it's not even right. 
So I'm pretty sure Joe doesn't need you to talk to him like he's retarded. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Joe brought up the Big Bang, and Neil gave him a couple of words on that, and then went right back to, to race and politics. They, they didn't talk any science. Yeah. Coming from a man whose job it is, I mean, the, the reason he exists, you know, in this role, is to make accessible and interesting scientific ideas to kids and young people who are going to you know, be inspired by it and want, to, and want to learn more about it and follow that path. That's that's his job as a public scientist. And uh, I gotta say, man, he, I told you this yesterday, so this will be a recap for you, but I just gotta say, I gotta say it for the Two Tongues audience. He starts talking to Joe about how anthropologists in the turn of the century, when they were studying, you know, human beings all over the world and their different races, racial differences and all that, <coughs> He said that that science was all done by racist white people, yeah. which, you know, there's a way in which that's true. So I'm not, I'm not going to brush over that. I'm just, the pe- people back then didn't have as much information. Today we call that racist, and I understand. But the anthropology was done by white people who had racial biases. And they said that black people were less developed than white people, um, that they weren't as smart, they, they weren't as <coughs> industrious. You know, you, you look at how how Sub-Saharan Africa exists, and you say, those people didn't do anything to make their, to, to use their natural resources, to build cities, to do anything productive. Look, compare that to the rest of the world. Everyone else seems to be doing it. And so these are the kind of things they would say. And they would say, you know, that you can look at um, different black uh, groups in Africa, and you could say that they are more like our, um, like chimp cousins than they are than they are white people. And they said shit like that. And that's fucking terrible, and I get it. So he makes that point. But then he then he's pulls out his book that he's trying to sell. And he's, he's made a whole chapter in the book making the argument from the other perspective. And this is what Neil deGrasse says. He says, well, you have all these crazy things racist white people said in the turn of the century about black people being inferior. If those scientists weren't racist white people, if they were racist black people, here's what they might have said just along the same lines. They would have said, if you look at black people and white people, you can see clearly white people are more like chimpanzees than than black people. White people are less developed. All you have to do is pull the fur away from a chimpanzee's uh, arm and you can see their skin is white. Yeah. And then he said, chimpanzees have this social habit of grooming each other and picking lice off of each other and eating it. Did you know (coughs) that black children don't get lice? Only white children get lice. Clearly, they're more closely related to chimpanzees. Then he said, because they did this stuff about where they would like measure the skulls and they would talk about the phrenology, all that shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and they used that to say black people were inferior back then. So he starts talking about the size of ears. And he says, you notice how chimpanzees have these large ears. And if you look around at, at uh, white groups and black groups, you'll notice white people have big ears. Black people almost don't. Almost at all. And then, then, he, then he says, you can look at Barack Obama as an example and see he has these large ears. But he's half white. Those came from the white side of his, of his family. That's the kind of shit that this public intellectual said on the Joe Rogan podcast to the world. Mm. And I'm like, look, I get the point you're making. Those early scientists were racist in comparison to today. They had less information and they made... Wrong analogies and wrong and wrong conclusions. But what you've done, yeah, they, what you've done, Neil, is sit down and put a whole lot of thought into making this opposite argument 
Two wrongs don't make a right. And everything you just said is ridiculous, which I understand is part of the point, but it's also very, very racist. Why don't we talk about the stars, dude? Why don't we talk about the Big Bang? Why don't we talk about the black holes? Why are we talking about race? And I just, I just, I just couldn't believe it. I thought it was terrible. I think Neil deGrasse is, is lost his fucking mind. Yeah, he sucks. That's for sure. Um, I just, I don't think that a lot of the observations that those mean white racist scientists made back then. This might not. This might piss some people off. It would definitely piss Neil deGrasse Tyson off. But they're not wrong, you know. Just because something hurts your feelings doesn't mean that it's not true. Um, and yeah, maybe you know, maybe white people are. They have certain things in common with chimpanzees. I don't. I mean, that doesn't change the fact that you know the white the pink chimpanzees moved to Europe and developed the fuck out of it and you know and then they went to America you know and that the the yellow monkeys who live in Asia did the same fucking thing uh, and then you look at like sub-saharan Africa it's not good you know there's not much going on um, that is regardless of whether that hurts your feelings or not that is true you know yeah uh, it's like the same with the Native Americans. They didn't do much, you know? It's like not much, you know? The, and there are reasons for that, I'm sure. But unless it's you, still a true statement. Yeah, unless you believe Graham Hancock. <laughs> well, that's true. <coughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there could have been some technologically advanced civilization over here. But from, you know, the standard narrative... They weren't, you know, even the massive cultures, the the Mayans and the Inca, they they had big civilizations, but they didn't figure out a lot of stuff that they had figured out over in Europe, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I, if, if noticing differences between races makes you a racist, then I'm a racist and I'm happy to call myself a racist. Yeah. Because there are differences between the races. Yeah, I think that there, there are differences in human beings. I mean, there were a spectrum of behavior and attributes and all kinds of things like that. And people find all sorts of ways of existing. And you can see all sorts of ways of existing in Africa. You can see all sorts of ways of existing across the world. I mean, there are people in parts of Eastern Europe that, you know, live in Siberia and places like that. They live just the same sort of tribal existence that, you know, in South America even, that you see in Sub-Saharan Africa. You know, it's like people people exist that way. Um, we can't deny that, that there are differences. We can't deny that human beings exist in a, a various spectrums. You know, we, we can't deny that. To deny that is bending reality in the same way we talked about the uh, social scientists trying to bend, you know, this discussion of gender. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson sucks. That's the bottom line. Yeah, Neil deGrasse does suck. I'm very, very disappointed in him. Um, I don't know what to say. I don't know what else to say, man. I feel kind of depressed now that we've done this. You know, I, I did a lot of ranting, and the uh, and now I feel maybe I feel gassed or something. All right. Gassed. Yeah.
Yep. What else you got? Um, not much. I don't know. I just uh, you saying gas makes me feel like I need to go back and address last week's episode again. I apologize. <laughs> I shouldn't have said those mean, terrible things. Speaking of which, seven hundred and sixty-two billion. Did you see that? Uh, I can't remember. Was it was a Dallas Cowboy guy? Tweeted tweeted about the Brittany Griner release. Uh, Jerry Jones? No, 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 a player, a player. Oh. I can't remember who it was. He tweeted uh, originally. He, he said, like Griner got released and they left the Marine uh, instead. And he said, hell nah, hell nah. That's what he said. Because his he's he's got Marines in his family and he's like, what in the fuck? You you have a choice to get the Marine out of there who's been there for four years, or to get the, the celebrity WNBA basketball player. player. Yeah. And uh, then he... Women's basketball celebrity. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a bit of an overstatement, but she's more of a cultural celebrity now because of what's happened to her. So this guy ends up tweeting an apology. Bitch. Yeah, well, and the thing was, uh, I was listening to um, Matt Walsh talk about it on The Daily Wire, and he was saying that uh, he, he made a good point, actually. He said if you read the apology tweet and you read his original tweet, like they were not written by the same dude. Uh-huh. It's like, clearly... This was written for him. Yeah. And it and it, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, that's 100% what happened. 100% what happened. Yep. Um, Publicist crafted a little tweet for him. And that's part of, yeah, that's 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 part of the uh, conversation right now is that, uh, that Biden claimed and the White House claimed that they'd never had a choice of getting both uh, Paul Whelan and Brittany Griner home. Uh, that was never going to happen with the trade, the trade with the, the dude that they released. Um, and that Paul Whelan was never on the table. Basically, they came came back afterwards and said because he was being accused of, of being a spy, that he was never on the table. And now they're now they're finding out absolutely he was on the table. Oh. And Biden could have chose him over Brittany and didn't. Does it does it surprise you at all that he didn't? Not at all. No, not at all. But I, I just wonder if that's something that 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 just seems like something. First of all, I want to say that, that, that Biden could be impeached over or or there could be some legal action over, but it definitely it definitely should be something people are mad about. For sure. On people that, should yeah. be mad. Yep. Yeah. I, I just don't. I never have. I still don't. I guess I'm glad that she's not in a Russian prison anymore, but I just don't give a fuck about Brittany Griner. I yeah. don't care. Yeah, I think um, she did something stupid. Regardless of how I feel about, you know, people and their ability to consume drugs, I, I do think that it's their decision. You know, um, they should be able to. That being said, you're going to a place where you're not. The reality is, you're not allowed to, and you rolled the dice and you lost. I just don't really feel. Yeah. I just have never really felt that bad for her. I, I go back and forth because I feel like if it were me. I would want the full force of the government to get me out of that situation. Mm. But I never would have taken drugs to Russia. I yep. never would have made that decision. You know? I mean, it's just like some kind of... Like, I can do whatever I want, you know? Yeah. It's like this attitude of... Being, of being, above, want, yeah, you know? being above the law. And again, you're a WNBA player. You're not... You're not hot shit, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah, even if it was a, even if it was a, you know, LeBron type person, you know, even if it was an NBA player, it's like, you're not above the law, man. You can't do whatever you want, you know. Even if it was a fucking Warren Buffett, the richest man in the world, or whatever, it's like, dude, even you, 
You're not above the rules. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, and I do agree with you, but what I was saying is if you are a huge celebrity type person, like a legitimate, like LeBron, um, you you know, morally, I guess he should not be above the law, but there's a way better chance that people are going to be that's who cares? Yeah. You know, it's fucking LeBron. You know, it's good It's good publicity to not put LeBron in prison, you know? Um, there's a... There's a uh, ancient custom that they used to do in, in Sumeria. So Sumeria is the earliest known, like, settled um, city that we know about. Mm-hmm. And they had this um, custom where the king, who basically in ancient Sumeria, the king has got ultimate power. You know, back then, there's no, not even the priests are, are going to come close to challenging the king. The king's got ultimate power. And one, every single year, the king, during, <coughs> during one of their festivals... The king would, would be taken, like marched, out of the palace, out of the city walls, stripped naked, and beaten and forced to and forced to admit to all of the people surrounding him, all of his people that, that you know he's been ruling over, all of the ways he's failed. So Jordan talks about this. He's he talks about all the, he's supposed to be the embodiment of Marduk. So when he goes out there, he that he's stripped of his royal garb, all of his pomp and glory. He's turned into a regular person like everybody else. He was a god-man just a minute ago in the palace. Now he's the scum of the earth. And he's forced to admit all the ways he's been a bad Marduk. And the people beat him. And when he's and when he's done, he gets up, he puts the crown back on, he goes back and sits on the throne where he's all-powerful again. And I think that we're missing that. It's some version of that. We're missing that in our culture. We should be able to beat Joe Biden. <laughs> well, we Dangerous should, road. We should we should be able to force him to be accountable and admit all of the ways he's failed. And if he doesn't, he doesn't get to be king. You know? And we beat him. <laughs> it's, uh, reminds me of the Shane Gillis joke where he says that he feels like Joe Biden is the first president that you could punch his ass in eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. All right, man. That, 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 that a wrap? Later, fuckers.